Just a reminder that you can listen to Life Narrated on Stitcher or iTunes, and if you have any comments or suggestions, you can send them to us at suggestions at lifenarrated.com. listeners and welcome to another episode of Life Narrated, the podcast about life and the stories we tell. My name is Emily and I am a menace to society. My name's Lauren, but I'm actually known as she who must not be named. (laughs) I'm Matt and I'm the smallest henchman. And today we're going to talk about our favorite villains. Um, We, let's start with something different. This is the second time we've started this podcast. So I'm going to start with Lord Voldemort. I feel like he is the epitome of a very good villain. He is a good villain, for sure. Yeah, what do you think makes him a good villain? Well, he's very tenacious, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> he is very tenacious. Is, a real, is the mark of a good villain. <laughs> I think also that he has, I mean, he has a, I don't know. I was going to say, like, you could see where he became a villain, but not really, because he's always kind of a horrible person. Yeah, well, like as a child, he scares other children and tortures like animals and stuff. He's definitely, I think, a product of his like environment. Um, when you learn that like his mom abandoned him essentially, uh, because so spoiler alert if you have it read <laughs> Harry Potter, um, you then stop listening then right go now. go away. Um, <laughs> go away and read the books and then come back, because I guess we're not... That's right, that's yeah, what I like, <laughs> Not forever. We still love you. Um, he, so his Voldemort, Tom's mother, used a love potion on a muggle, and some people on the internet think that because he is was born under the effects, you know, like... Of a love potion, that that's why he can't feel love. But oh, interesting! My sister and I were talking about how we just thought that was kind of just a convenient like scapegoat, I guess. That the yeah, but that really, if you look at it, like his mom, who is your mom, is your like the first example you have of like love is the love that your mother gives you, and he did not have that, and so I think that. A lot of his his mentality comes from that. It comes from like not not being loved because his mom. Yeah, but did he? I don't remember. Did he even know his mother, or was he given to the orphanage as a baby? I I don't think. Well, I oh gosh, that's a great question. I don't think he knew I think his he mother was because when she didn't get so like as it goes, like she. Just stopped giving her husband the love potion, and then and then once he stopped, when she stopped doing that, he did not love her. Oh right! And and so she died. Yeah. She like she kind of like withered up and died, and so he didn't really. But that was after the baby was dead. Yeah. Born. So it's like one of those things where it's he didn't know her. All he knew was that she. You know, she she died, and she like she didn't fight for him. I guess like she was so wrapped mm-hmm. up in her husband that she didn't like she lived for her husband who did not love her back. Yeah. So she was like just really deep in this unrequited love and how like dangerous that is. And so like yeah, I don't think yeah. he knew his mom, but like even then, that's like yeah, that's really telling. And then also much like Harry did not know about his like wizard heritage and Mm -hmm. so just knew like I think he was just like grew up in an orphanage and just had these powers and just because he did had no like real guidance I guess like he just had no like moral compass whatsoever but also like we learn like his grandfather is a total turd and like you know (laughs) so it's like it's kind of like not not saying it's excusable who Voldemort chooses to be, 
it's not like, oh, well, he couldn't help himself. Like, that's not what I'm saying. But I think he definitely just wasn't provided an environment to learn. And, and he did love Hogwarts, but this, like, manipulation and everything yeah. was so ingrained well, in so him. What makes him a good villain is really the question. Yeah. Like, is, is he a good villain because he's so ruthless or is he a good villain because... I think what makes him a good villain is because he thinks he's right. It's like he's he's not... I mean, he he acknowledges that he's evil and he's like totally fine with that, right? <laughs> but I think it's because ultimately he thinks he's right and that he thinks he'll win. So like everything he does is done just 100%. Yeah, I kind of agree. I think the villains who are the most scary um, are the ones who believe in what they're doing and also recognize that what they're doing is evil and they don't care. Yeah. Because, like, I think, like, because they have a, a vision for the greater good that involves being evil now so they can be good later. And um, yeah. those are really scary villains because they're literally capable of anything and they they can't be persuaded. Like, it's not one of those villains where it's like, oh, if I just show them how bad they're being, like, they'll they'll stop being bad. It's not like that. They yeah. don't care. Like, they're like, yep, this is pretty they, awful, but, like, it has to be done now. Yeah. And that's kind of what is interesting about the dynamic in Harry Potter specifically between Dumbledore and Voldemort, because Dumbledore also has done a lot of horrible things in the name of the greater good. Dumbledore has? And he's like, yeah, Dumbledore. He, like, set up a child to be murdered because it was going to save everyone. Oh, okay, well. Like. Which child? I mean, he, and he also, Harry. like, basically made Harry into a weapon. Okay. As a, like, he was 14, 15. <laughs> okay, I mean, yeah, but also. And also, he killed his sister, possibly. He, he, I don't know about the sister thing, but he kind of had to stop Voldemort somehow, right? Like. Right, and that's what I'm saying. Well, like, he, he, he used was right. a child. Yeah. In a child that he cared for um, as a weapon against him. And I think the thing is that Dumbledore and Voldemort kind of have the same methodology. No, not methodology. They're both very ruthless, I guess, is really what I meant. Yes. But Dumbledore chooses not to go... uh, He understands that the way you get there is also as important as the uh mean that's the yeah end. i guess like ruthlessness is not necessarily a mark of a villain it's tenacity I, right <laughs> no, 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 I'm <laughs> um, okay okay it's, tenacity it's not ruthlessness because like you can be ruthless in pursuit of something good um yeah but maybe it's like i want to say like consent like if everyone who's like doing the work for you consents like if harry harry on multiple con- occasions like consented to being like a dark wizard killing weapon like uh, he didn't understand. Yeah, I mean, he's a he child, but to like, die. you know, <laughs> I think he didn't understand that. Spoiler alert: he was supposed to die at the end of all of this, yeah. and then but then sacrificed himself, right? Yeah, so like, he made like, that choice. Yeah, so like at the so, end, he but, did right, yeah. and like I see what you're like. I agree with what you're saying, Emily, which is that like I think Dumbledore like essentially kind of groomed Harry to like Dumbledore knew what was going to have to happen but he groomed Harry in such a way which you could argue is really manipulative but like so that oh, when yeah. the time came Harry would make the choice to sacrifice himself like his whole yeah. life was kind of leading to this moment and and Dumbledore's influence is what like I mean Harry could have very easily been like yeah peace out like fuck this. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess that's the difference is that the in the end it was Harry's choice, even though you could say that he was manipulated. He could have still walk walked yeah, away. So like he could have just said deuces and like <laughs> I'm out. Yeah, and I so I think like there is like where where Voldemort would have cursed someone and forced them to do it. Dumbledore was like, I'm going to. You still have the choice, but in a way. Yeah. He kind of didn't because Harry's. Oh, because he is. Who yeah, he is. Like, yeah. I, yeah. Part of it is his personality, and then part of it is like, yeah, your whole life, you're, you, you know that you're special. You know that this is centered around you, and it'll only. And then he heard the prophecy. You know, like you know, one yeah, cannot live yeah. while the other lives, or whatever. 
So it's like, Surprise. so it was all coming to a head. And I think, yeah, it was Dumbledore. Ultimately, I think it was Dumbledore's influence. But also, like, Lily and James's sacrifice for their son yeah. made it, you know. Yeah. So, like, he, from a very young age, like, once he realized, well, 11, when he found out what really happened to his parents, he has a really deep uh, and complicated relationship with sacrifice. Yeah, that's true. And so Voldemort also, would have forced someone, you know what I mean? And and Dumbledore yeah. is different in the sense that, like, he allowed, he still allowed the free will. So, yeah, so he, like, yeah. he actively sought consent or, like, allowed for consent, whereas mm-hmm. Voldemort didn't. Yeah. Now, um, as much as we could turn this into a Harry Potter podcast and you guys can talk about it all day, let's move on to some different villains, maybe. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. I was going to say exactly that, except before it turns into a Harry Potter uh, podcast, we do have to talk about Bellatrix oh Lestrange real quick. Real quick. Because she, well, just that she is not like Voldemort, because Voldemort is really cerebral and he's a thinking person, and she's just like, everyone needs to die. <laughs> she's very much an and emotional she, mind, as they say. Right, and she's terrifying because she will not change her mind because her mind is not about logic. Like, she is set on a course, and you know, she's not going to be swayed. I think that's why she's so scary. She's a pretty good villain, too. Yeah, it's like her her irrational love of Voldemort. Like... Yeah. Makes her crazy. Like... Like, she was always bad, right? But, like... Yeah. That, like, Lamor Fu. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, anyway. she, yeah. No, she's terrifying in the sense that, like... Like, Voldemort definitely played the long game where she's just like, I'm just going to kill you. Like, yeah. Oh. <laughs> so she's, anyway. she's dangerous because she has no, she doesn't think and she has no remorse. Like you were saying. Yeah. Like, yeah. She definitely is a sociopath. Um, yeah. One of. Okay. Other villains. <laughs> we, I feel like. I want to talk about Darth Vader, but I feel like we can't talk about Darth Vader without starting at least the conversation of, like, backstory versus no backstory for a villain. Okay, let's start it. So, I think Darth Vader was really scary when I was a kid, like, uh, and I think part of that is because he's incredibly intimidating and because, kind of going back to, like, the ruthlessness of his, like, he's, he's incredibly unforgiving and we see him, like on multiple occasions, like, kill his own men who've, like, disappointed him. And I think also part of it at that is that he's wearing a mask, mm-hmm. and so you cannot see him emote in any way. You don't know what he's thinking. You don't That's know, true. like... He's got the best uh, poker face. <laughs> yeah, he does, because he's wearing a mask. Yeah, totally. And so, right, there's nothing... Other other than his extremities, there's nothing to, like, really make him human. Or, yeah. I mean, in even if he wasn't human, even if he was some other alien, right, there's, like, like you said, there's no way to see his, like, emotions. Um, and, yeah, he was just, like, this all-powerful being. And the other, the other thing that I think will keep coming back up with villains, too, is that he had, up until, up until he was redeemed in Return of the Jedi, this unbreakable, like, irrational loyalty to his master which also made him do really horrible things. So, like, this yeah. idea of, like, this is the path, this is right, this is yeah. this is the this is the only way. His, like, zealotry yeah, was yeah. really scary. Was, yeah, and, like, the fact that he only bowed down to Darth Sidious, um, which also made him an incredibly intimidating figure, right? If he was the only yeah. person that Darth Vader would be subservient to. Um, and then that all just kind of got flushed down the toilet the moment that the prequels came out. Uh, let's not talk about the prequels. Well, but so, like, I feel, yeah, like, they just, so, like, now knowing his backstory, I think he's not a good villain anymore because he just wasn't, like, represented in a way that you can empathize with him anymore. Like, he's not... He just seems like because the acting was so bad, bad. <laughs> and the writing was, was so bad, and it's like you oh can't God. feel like he's just he's just he became this like really self-serving, selfish, like yeah. like not a it's like 
I guess, like, I'm, what I'm trying to say, I think, is that, like, so the way that they did his backstory made it so I was like, wow, like, you really brought this upon yourself. Like, yeah. villains who become villains and then are redeemed, usually, like, it's one of those situations where it's like, dude, you got fucked so hard. Like, no wonder you turned evil. I get it now. Right. Like, you, or, or, like, like we were saying, like, with Voldemort, it's like, well, you didn't really have a choice or, you know, in the matter um, and that's just how you were raised. But, like, his backstory just made him so whiny and so, like, you're just like, ugh. It, like, you did this to yourself. The kind of changed his zealotry because he wasn't, like, all about the dark side. He was all about Padma. And then she was like, nah. And then he got, like, super pissed. Yeah. And so the reason that he, you know, changed the dark side was because a woman told him no. And it was like, really <laughs> like you just can't take it <laughs> yeah like he literally was just so. like it just made you see how like weak he was of a character like he just yeah that's a good point i didn't think about that i think maybe it was like on purpose if you think about it too where, like you're not supposed to really like, like that guy or or like identify with him you're supposed to like kind of pity him maybe and that's a good way of yeah. making that happen you know like but I feel like, yeah, it's like I, instead of feeling pity, though, like it backfired because instead of feeling pity, I was like, I just really wish you had died on that volcano <laughs> planet. Like, and my God. And saved us all the trouble. Yeah. Well, I was going to say that in the first movie, he doesn't really make a good villain because he's just so monolithically bad. Like, it's not really clear his motives. His I'm talking about the first movie that came out. A New out. Hope. Uh, a new hope it's not really clear his motives he's just like i'm committed to this evil <laughs> thing well you know what and i feel like that almost is a good reason for to be a good villain he's uh just totally like all powerful and completely i mean not maybe not uh, yeah he's evil but he's got something we just don't like he's got some motive we just don't know it you know yeah that's could and, be i think go ahead well and he's um it's also scary because he has, uh, he's the only one on the bad guy side that has the force, which is like the only thing that our heroes have going for them at that point. Yeah. And so when you see that he can do that, you're like, oh crap, they've got everything and also the force. Yeah. So like, okay. from an arms perspective, like, it's it's scary to think that like, oh, our heroes don't stand a chance. And that makes him like, like you said, monolithic and terrifying. Yeah, yeah. I do think that him, you know, the end he's kind of redeemed and like made human and that makes him a good villain you think i think that's yeah i think that's part of it like if he was just monolithically bad like, like if I he didn't have an like, arc right if he didn't have an emotional arc if he was just bad and then he was defeated you're like okay i don't really care you're not focusing on the villain you're like focusing on the hero's story but in this you focus on the hero's story and the villain's story because his was you know he was redeemed you know and it's a different type of storytelling too like when we look at villains like i don't really i don't know i think the word villain implies like some kind of like calculating like methodical figure who's like like omnipresent in a way it's like there's uh -huh. some like creeping malice that this person is always like kind of seeping through but then like there are the like villains as a, but like they're just more like an antagonist so then i because we were talking about i think like slasher films like horror movies okay you know and yeah. like so the villain like jason or you know michael myers or somebody it's like i can't really think of them as villains because they are just like oh yeah they're just the bad guys they're just there to kill you they're yeah. just there to kill you like it doesn't matter well, what their backstory is i think is. we're getting caught up in semantics i think we just mean bad guys our favorite bad right guys. but i but i like but I kind of like the difference. Yeah, like villains are more yeah. appealing than like like strong men, bad guys. Types. Yeah, I agree. Like I think villain, yeah. I think a villain can be you can love to hate them, or like Loki is a villain. Yeah, um, but like, but he's redeemable, even though he refuses to be redeemed <laughs> yeah. in a lot of and, situations. Well, and he's played by a really hot guy, and <laughs> that's a perfect uh, criteria for a villain. Yeah. yeah. There the he is. Super attractive, beautiful, <laughs> Super weepy attractive eyes. Guy. 
But like, yeah, like there's Loki is a great villain because he is methodical and he again, like the other people we've mentioned, playing that long game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> playing that long game, yeah. Oh, so I was just reading this um, uh, comic book, and it is uh, called Strong Female Protagonist, <laughs> which is a funny name. But um, uh, it's by, I can't remember whose it's by, and I will find out in a second. Um, but it's basically about this girl who used to be a superhero. Like, she is um, like Mar- uh, Miss Marvel, you know. She's was a teenager, and she decided to get together with other teenagers and like fight villains. Like you do, like you do. And at this point in her life, she's decided to put all that aside, and she's like outed herself as the former um, superhero. And she's like just trying to go to school and trying to live her life. Right. And what you kind of get the impression that what made her decide to do this was that she was tracking down this villain named Menace, and he apparently can, you know, control people's minds. I was just about to go there. Okay, let's talk about that. Go on. Read people's minds. But what ends up, like, you start the story, then she's in college and all that, and, like, she's hanging out with this dude, and then you kind of find out that this dude used to be Menace, which is this guy (laughs) who was the evil guy. Of course. And you kind of get to the point where they are they're flashback backing I guess um, and he's like what are you doing and he kind of like deconstructs her whole life and is like you're just doing it wrong <laughs> like you're hurting people and you're uh, you don't know you know people are controlling you you don't know who they are and that kind of thing and so throughout this whole book he is like her friend but he's also possibly a villain because you're not entirely <laughs> sure he's given up villainy or he's moved into like corporate villainy and you're That's like a good one too. Corporate it, yeah so he like he can read minds so it's easy for him to manipulate like CEOs and corporations mm-hmm. and all sorts of stuff and he's like doing a whole bunch of shady shit just in side panels you don't know what he's up to but he's also like a nice guy so it's a really interesting you know story and it's by uh, Brennan Lee Mulligan and Molly Oostertag Love that. And it's an online thing. But it's, I just finished it. It was very good. It's Ginger Hazing. What happened? Sorry? I know. I I think I followed them on Twitter. Yeah. They're pretty funny. What was I going to say? Yeah. I I was thinking about this this week, and my favorite type of villains are the ones who can control your minds. Or, like, not control your minds, but, but change your mind. So like there's like manipulate. Yeah, there's like one type of villain that is like, it can like shoot a mind beam at you, and as long as he's shooting the mind beam, you have to do whatever he says, and that's like okay, whatever. Right. But there's another type of villain that's either super smart or has some kind of extra super ability where uh, they can just make you believe that what you're doing is wrong and what they're doing is right, and those I think are the most insidious kind of villains. So, like, you, you could add in, like, the devil along with this, like, or just someone who's, like, very silver-tongued, you know, someone who's got, yeah. like, the power of persuasion, even if it isn't super abilities. But um, these kind of villains, I think, are really, like, terrifying because it they basically can change the fundamental how you see yourself and how you see yourself in the world. They can change that. And, and they can change good guys into bad guys. Exactly. And, like... That's a functional problem, but also, like, they can change, like, your sense of identity and, like, the things you believe in. And, like, that's yeah. a terrifying thought if you think about it, you know? Like, well, I thought somebody that came to mind, and this might not be exactly what you mean, but the person that came to my mind was Magneto from X Men. Because, yes, he has yeah. a mutant ability to, like, with metal and stuff, but, like, a big part of Magneto's thing is his whole, like, the, you know, brotherhood thing He's where. Yeah, where he, like, like so even though it's not his mutant power he is very much like yeah. that kind of, kind of has that like cult leader kind of vibe yeah. to him where he's very much like you know they're gonna hey like I 
they, I know what they're going to do. And basically if you don't join me, you're allowing yourself to be like led to slaughter. And, you know, and so he's very good at getting mutants to follow him and believe in his cause. Um, yeah. and to feel, and to, and again, to know that it's right. Yeah. Um, I got two examples of this. Um, one is, uh, the villain from Jessica Jones, which I've actually haven't seen the series, but I, I understand it is some kind of, uh, mind control powers and he does really what is his name maybe i know who it I is know. i, I have watched it. it and now that now that we're talking about it i've totally forgotten his name we should google it oh yes. my gosh it. so but the other one i have uh it's kilgrave kilgrave, kilgrave. okay Thank, thanks Brian. yeah i don't know um, Kil- kilgrave, kilgrave. apparently he's got some kind of mental manipulation abilities and yeah okay. oh basically if he looks at you and gives you a direct like you know if he says like go fuck yourself you have to go do it. Hmm. <laughs> um, okay. And he, he mentions that in the show. He's like, I once told a man to go fuck himself. Can you imagine? <laughs> you know, and he's, yeah, so like he, he controls your mind and, you know. But so after after you're finished with whatever task it is, you go back to being yourself, right? Well, yeah. it, the effects of his, like, it's so it's all based on like proximity. So the farther you are from him, the less, Oh, okay. control he has so like if you're you know if you're in the same room with him it's going to be like overwhelming right but um if you're down the block you can right so like if you if you're down the block or if you're a mile away or 10 miles away but it's like essentially like the way they talk about it is like he gets into your head and just like right like he just messes with you and so you feel compelled to it like takes time for the effects of whatever he does to wear off. So yes, you do eventually like Jessica talks about, like it will get better Mm. over time. So the more time you spend away from him and the more distance you have, the less like, like the effects will last. So you do go back to being yourself, but it takes a long time. And actually in the show, they have a almost like a, it's a survivor's like meeting. Oh, um, game survivors mm-hmm. of like yeah people who've been like yeah uh, controlled by him huh. oh wow so it's very it's a very interesting so yeah idea. there's there's that one but then there's also in this book by Isaac Asimov uh, the foundation trilogy uh, uh-huh. I'm going to spoil it for you now just to describe it not spoil it but there's a character called the mule whose ability okay. he's like a mutant of some kind and his ability is that he can just change your mind forever he like if you're in a room with him he can charm you in such a way that you will be on his side like even assassins sent to kill him suddenly switch allegiance and like remain on his side until their dying day wow yeah and so like no one can stop this guy because he'll literally just like go up to a ship in a little in like a little life capsule and be like save me and then everybody on the ship is his and (laughs) he like builds a fleet this way and like takes over planets and stuff wow and it's like it's, he's terrifying because he's so manipulative and he, yeah. um, like the people who were like dead set against whatever he was doing, who were sent to kill him, to, who were, you know, trying to do everything and anything to get a, like to destroy this person can't stop themselves from being like steadfastly alleged to him. Alleged? Interesting. Yeah. And aligned him. Aligned, yeah. And it's, aligned him. I know what you meant. Um, it's, it's a frightening thought because, like, those people yeah. have completely lost their... Free will. Their free will. Or more like their sense of identity because, like, they're perfectly... Like, they're they're perfectly intelligent. They don't... They're not, like, zombies. They just, like... Right. They're, they're themselves, but themselves who really want to have help out the mule. And it's mm. creepy. And, like, throughout most of the book, or one portion of the book, he travels along with, like, the protagonists and like you don't know it's him and he's just like kind of hanging out and like being this like waifish like scared little creature that the protagonists have to protect and then you come to realize that <laughs> he's been manipulating them just not with like superpowers so like not only does he have like the superpower but he's also just like really manipulative in general in general so yeah. he can turn it on and off yeah he can control yeah. it for sure yeah one of the things that um the in strong female protagonist, the um, guy Menace, he was like, yeah, I can read people's minds, but I can't control them. And she was like, well, everyone says that you are controlling them. And he says, if I know everything about somebody, don't you think it's easy for me to make them do what I want them to do? Mm-hmm. And um, he was kind of, 
Yeah, it was interesting because a lot of people had said, oh, I was under his control, so whatever I did, you know, I did because he made me. But in fact, he didn't make anyone do anything. Well, I mean, but like he said, though, he could, because he knew everything, he could make them do whatever he wanted. Right. Like, functionally, de facto, you know. Yeah. And he says this, and you're like, so you're hanging out with this person all the time. Like, how do you know he's not making you do what? I don't, it's yeah. just a really Well, and that's really one of those things thing. about those kind of characters that are so, like, terrifying because it's like, whatever is happening around them is possibly because of their, their manipulation abilities, whether they're supernatural or not. Um, it, and, like, you can never tell if any character in their proximity is, like, under their own free will. Right, like um, Emma Frost in uh, X-Men. I was just reading the other day um, one of these arcs of, uh, of X-Men where Emma Frost is a good guy, and sometimes she's a good guy, sometimes she's a bad guy. Mostly she's a bad guy, and it's with this thing where she's in charge of the school for gifted youngsters, <laughs> and like I think it's Kitty Pride who comes back and is like, excuse me, you let her be in charge of the school? And she's very suspicious of everyone who, like, defends her, because, like, are you... Like, for instance, Cyclops is married to her, and he's like... And she's, you know, kind of giving him the side eye, like, are you still Cyclops? Like, did she brainwash you? And he kind of has that question, too. (laughs) He's like, I don't know, but, like, you know... And at some point, she's, like... Kitty Pride accuses him of, like, she's manipulating your mind, blah, 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 blah. And then she storms off, and he's like, are you? And she's like, you're never seeing me naked again. <laughs> but I don't know how it turns out. I think it does turn out that she she may be kind of villainous in this one, but not too villainous. She's villainous to a good end, I guess. I was just thinking, too, you brought up the devil, and I was thinking about how, like, back in the day that was the ultimate, like, you know, like, we're talking, you know, it's like, oh, we're talking about, like, X-Men and all these books that have been written and movies and stuff, and it's like, back in the day, it was the devil. <laughs> it was just the <laughs> devil and everything you did and every part of you, like, you know, Matt, Matt has a cult, i.e., he has a devil in him. Yeah. And that's terrifying to me, uh, you know, and it's, you know, and then they're, like, these, you know, creatures, any kind of beast or anything that, like, you know, mythological uh, heroes. You know, like it was all like well, yeah, sent like from some the people devil. they were sent from the depths of hell, and so like the ultimate villain, I would argue, is the devil, but only because he's been around for so long. <laughs> he's been around for so. He's got a head start on everybody. Yeah, like, he's got a good backstory too. That's yeah, true. yeah, he was. They were making babies with humans, and God was like, "Nah, that's not okay." And. Uh, <laughs> Um, yeah, let me see my list. Here we go. Well, I have a list. And that's and another it's... one where it's like, that can change your mind. Like, the devil has the ability to, like, manipulate you to do bad things. And, like, you can control your mind, essentially. So it falls into that category. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. That he, could, he like, knows what's in your heart. You know, that whole thing. Like, he, he knows what's in your heart, and he's going to try and tempt you yeah. with the things that you want most. Mm-hmm. I think uh, a good one. Have you guys read a golden, the Golden Compass? Yeah. Um, oh yeah. Yeah, I think Miss Coulter uh, oh, yeah. in that book. She's a really good villain because you want to like her. Like even you know that she's kind of not on the level, but you want her to be on the level because the main character looks up to her as a mother yeah. figure. Possibly she is her mother. And she wants to have a mother. She wants to have someone who loves her, but also she's shady as shit. Yeah, and that's also one of those things where on multiple occasions she's been, like, extremely ruthless and uses, like, really questionable methods, but then she's also redeemed herself in multiple situations and has shown, like, you know, compassion to Lyra and, you know, and has saved her. ultimately... She really isn't redeemed. Like right. she is the villain. She just cares a lot about Lyra, right? And um, what happens to her because that's her daughter, I think. Yeah, well, that that's a good point too. It's like uh, villains who uh, are um, 
have something to gain from the good guys, but not enough to make them act good. <laughs> Does that make sense? <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, like they care about, yeah. or they have an emotional connection to the hero or the protagonist, but um, they're not like... Mm. Those are, I still want to be evil, though. Yeah, those are very creepy kinds of villains, because, like, you never can really tell if they're going to be good this time or bad, you know? Yeah, and, like, their sense of right and wrong is skewed, and it's not the same as what you would think. So they may be thinking that they're doing the right thing. Right. And it's variable. But, it's variable. Like, yeah. they're... Like, are they going... Like, what sense of right and wrong are they going to bring to the table this week, you know? Like, yeah. I, um, real quick, going back to the mind control thing, there was this great book called Levita Levitating Las Vegas, and it was about a Vegas showgirl who, her father was, like, an, a magician that had, you know, a daily show at a casino, and it, like, turns out that every time, every year he, like, promises to teach her his tricks so that she can do it. He His trick is that he levitates, mm -hmm. and no one can figure out how he does it. And it turns out he actually can levitate, like, just, <laughs> he's a can magically levitate and she kind of finds out that everyone at the casino is there because they have some sort of weird like they're mutants basically okay. but then she and they keep on talking about the reservation like at least this isn't the reservation and we're safe here because it's not the reservation and eventually she like runs away and ends up at the reservation which is just like a house where a bunch of like asshole teenagers are who all have these powers and they're using them to like fuck with each other just hardcore God. so like one one kind of power is that they have the power to change your mind and it's not like you said where you they're like permanently on your side but it's basically like if they see you're about to say something mean and then you say oh no i shouldn't say that they can change your mind and make you say what you were gonna say interesting or they can for instance she like gets caught in this fight with the the guy she's in love with and they're just fighting and every time they're like let's tone this down a little the people around who are watching and like they're cackling their asses off they like change their mind like no ramp it up ramp it up <laughs> say that thing that you weren't gonna say and then like every time she's like i should just leave they change her mind so she stays oh God. so they like force them to fight yeah, and it's just, like, so vicious, such a vicious cycle, and it's, like, I think the way they get out of it is that they, um, she, like, she gets in the car and drives off and, like, hits a tree, and then they're far enough away that they can't be manipulated or something like that, hmm. so it's just, like, it was so such a vicious, like, how do you get out of that if they, oh, they have one person who can change your mind and one person who can, um give you an idea I think oh, God. so they'll like give you an idea like and you're like oh no I'm not gonna do that and then they change your mind <laughs> so they're like working together it's so vicious oh god it was such a good book that's like a creepy punk flop house with like magic people in it <laughs> yeah yeah and they're all like horrible horrible people yeah. Hmm. But yeah, anyway, that was that was pretty. Uh, the, they were like a collective villain. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, there is something to be said as far as like, like people who mess with people just because. So like, you know, just just to do it. And I think I think the Joker kind of falls into that, where he talks a lot about like, yeah, just being an agent of chaos. And it's like, mm -hmm. why not do this thing? Like, I I do it because I want to, right? And there's no like, ultimate like goal or gain it really is just to kind of watch the world burn sort of thing and cause right like for, force I, people to see like things differently and it's like you know that creating these like ultimatums and then it's like are you a good person <laughs> you know like choose and i um, like uh the joker because he's so jolly <laughs> and it's like terrified he's terrifying in his jolliness because you're like what is what is so funny a number one and like you don't know what he's thinking you don't know if he's like really likes you i guess or if you he's like entertained by your struggle or <laughs> you know everything entertains him equally so i don't know i think i find his like merriment very uh Dressing, I guess. Yeah. 
Yeah. I think that's part of why he's such a good villain, because he's so terrifying in that way. And he's, like, Voldemort in the sense that he's, like, incapable of love, and it's sad to see, like, Harley Quinn suffer time and time and time again. Well, let's let's talk quickly about uh, uh, Darth Vader versus the Joker, because I think that maybe in the Joker's, like, like, constant jolliness he his true motives are like very inscrutable you know like yeah that's what i'm saying oh i yeah and, and, but in the same way the um the voldemort or not the voldemort the vader he's also inscrutable because he's wearing a mask and he's like just doing evil shit all the time and like so maybe that's a that's a very important element of a good villain is like not knowing its uh, its motives either through like overwhelming like one emotion only or uh through just like um, like complete stoicism or something but like yeah inscrutability it seems and tenacity <laughs> inscrutability tenacity. And tenacity and tenacity and hotness yeah something that, and hotness and hotness and something that makes them like um inhuman because the mask makes darth vader very inhuman and for Joker, it's the, and not even the face paint that makes him inhuman, but it makes him, like you said, inscrutable. It makes him hard to understand it or to connect with. Um, and yeah, the face paint, but also his like constant joking, the, like yeah, yeah, the laughing, yeah, and everything. yeah. The fact that he's never really like, even when things don't go his way, he doesn't really seem that bummed out because yeah. it's kind of like, okay, I'll just do something different, you yeah. know. So yeah. the fact that it's like. You know, like, it's, like, really frustrating when you want somebody to see, like, their actions affect them. You know what I mean? Like, you want them to see, like, see how this is wrong. This is bad. And then they're like, me. Yeah. I'm, no, I'm, it's fine. I'll just, right. Like, I'll just do something else. Like, you know, because you, it just, it's infuriating. And I think that's also part of the reason why he does it is because he's just, like, like you were saying, like he's just like unmovable in his like desires to just fuck with people, but especially like that man. So like yeah, so when he gets thwarted, it's just kind of like okay, on to the next plan. Yeah, and he just takes yeah. it like he very rarely, even in the um, animated TV show, it's very very rare um, that you see the Joker get angry. Upset. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and um, it happens. Uh, but it's very, very, very rare. Right. And it's, you know, and I think it's because of, um, yeah, he's just like, d- yeah, it just like doesn't, it's like, okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, he came up with some good, uh, some good qualities of villains, like inscrutable motives, manipulative. Um, there has to be like some element of strength where they can actually carry out their plans. Mm-hmm. That's something we can talk about, but it seems Power like or power really, not strength. Or, I mean, yeah, like some ability that allows them to do the things that they're planning on yeah. doing, you know. Um, but also uh, ruthlessness and tenacity. Yeah. And, um, and hotness. No. Yeah, yeah. Hotness, I feel I like hotness like... is not to be overrated. <laughs> yeah. uh, not to be underrated, rather. I think female villains. Yeah. Well, exactly. <laughs> like, it's one of those things where, like, just as human beings, it's like if someone is attractive, we are more likely to, uh, like, go along with that. You know what I mean? It's like... It helps their manipulation. It helps sure. them manipulate, yeah. So yeah. you could argue that, like, hotness would fall under manipulation. And I think especially for, like, female villains, like, a lot of times they end up seducing yeah. the people that they intend to harm or to manipulate them into like being loyal to them or whatever. I'm trying is... to think of like female villains at all. I was trying to think of them too. Um, well, we have Bellatrix Lestrange. Yeah. And then Lestrange. there's Dolores Umbridge as well. But out of sight of Harry Potter. Yeah. Let's... <laughs> well, I think, I think of like, um, you know, like Game of Game of Thrones. You have Cersei. Yeah, Cersei. Okay. Like, yeah. Vicious as fuck. Oh, yeah. oh, Azula from Airbender, uh, the last Airbender. Oh yeah, that crazy. Is. She was crazy <laughs> as fuck. She yeah. There's something to the crazy. I I feel weird even like saying this, but like I feel like a, a genre of villain is crazy bitch villain or crazy just bitch. crazy person because like the Joker is not perfectly stable either. You know like no, that's true. Their mental he, illness has some. He's, like, 
real a real grasp on villains, I guess, sometimes. Like, yeah. You could have, like, a very compelling villain who is just mentally unstable, and that's, like, their yeah. thing, you know? They're, like, yeah. antisocial and, you know, therefore... And psychotic or whatever. Well, <laughs> psychosis actually is less likely to make somebody violent. Um, it's it's really... Uh, it Like, yeah, antisocial personalities or, like, borderline um, personality disorder because they are incredibly manipulative and people who are like antisocial tend to not have any remorse. They tend to be very like unempathetic. Mm -hmm. And once you don't have empathy, then like, yeah, to, to be remorseful or to feel remorse for actions that you've done means that you can empathize with the person who you are hurting. Mm -hmm. So if you are not empathetic, you aren't going to care about the actions or the, yeah. you know, the consequences of your actions. So, like, yeah, I would say that, like, there is a lot of mental health just, like, you know, when people talk about, like, oh, they have, like, multiple personalities. Like, that's not how that works, actually. <laughs> so there's a stigma around mental health always. But, right, like, the really, like, the people who have, like, multiple personality disorders or have schizophrenia are not the ones to be afraid of. It's, yeah, it's the people who are, like, antisocial and, like, yeah, and I didn't mean to, uh, to like, like demonize all mental health issues. Right, yeah, that, totally. Like, it's a common trope that mm-hmm, villains mm-hmm. often have some mental health illness, um, either, whatever. Totally. I know. mean, and, like, Batman is a great example because, like, I think they might have a prison, but it really seems like all the villains go to the Arkham Asylum, Asylum. Yeah, which yeah, only makes true. them crazier. And, uh, and like, yeah. And not of all them... of the villains are crazy, like, um... What's her name? Poison Ivy, I feel like. I mean, she has a thing well, for plants, yeah. which is a little weird. She's a little But I don't crazy. think she's crazy. Like, um, Also, Catwoman is definitely not crazy. Although, she is in that one movie. Yeah. Like, she's always... Right, I think it depends on, like, where you're kind of going from. Because, yeah. In, right, like, in the Batman movie, she's definitely portrayed as kind of losing her mind. Which is, that was, Michelle Pfeiffer was just awesome in that. But, um. I'm trying to think of, like, fellow yeah. villains who aren't crazy. And, like, I think there's probably none. Well, that, like, Cruella DeVille is just evil. But she, like, like she, she has, like, obsessive, uh, She, she wants like, to kill puppies. She has some kind of obsessive, like, personality. Like, I don't know if you would consider that, like, as a mental illness, but, like. She I likes mean, to, she, she likes to harm small animals. Yeah. So, so she <laughs> is in the pursuit of fashion to the point where she has uh, decided that killing puppies is a good idea. Right. So that's like definitely not okay, but it doesn't mean she's like mentally unstable. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. But she does kind of become like unhinged. She's just evil. Or like Dr. Freeze. He's, that's what I was thinking. He's because... pretty stable, except he's got like, like, once again, this obsession with his like frozen wife. His wife. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like. It, they're all like not crazy until you consider their like weird obsessions with different things. Yeah, yeah. Um, I do kind of want to talk about um, the. Have you ever read uh, Lauren Animorphs? Yes. And the Yerks from Animorphs um, are just—they were always terrifying to me. Yeah. As a kid, because they control your mind, they manipulate you. Yeah, they control, and they can be anybody you know. Like, that's yeah. the most scary part about it. Well, it's, like, one of those things where, like, you cannot ever tell the motives of the people who are around these creatures or around you because they might be in disguise, these yurks or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And totally. it's, it's terrifying. Those were, those were really scary. Um, terrifying They were things. terrifying, yeah, I agree. Especially when they got a hold of... Well, I remember one of the animals got a yurk in his head oh, and was, like... We have to either kill him or, like... Starve Oh, God, work. it was so dramatic, yeah. Yeah, those are, like, little slug things, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. They go in your ear, and then they control your brain, but they have to come out every, like, three days to eat at, like, a special pool. Mm. Mm. Yeah. yeah, that's fucking gross. I remember this. <laughs> yeah, it was, that, those are scary. Anything, anything that, like... Right, like, crawls up in you. Parasitic. I mean, okay, so I don't know. Should we, like, okay. I don't know if the Xenomorphs from the Alien movies could be considered a villain. Yeah. But they, like, and maybe we should talk about, like, why they are not or why they could be. 
But those motherfuckers are super scary. They are really intelligent and oftentimes manipulate their prey into getting caught by them, right? But just the whole fact that there's like the the egg that's the the parasite. Like I think that's inside you or whatever. Yeah, like, oh God. I don't know if I would call those villains. Like I call them monsters. Right. Okay. And And the difference being that like a monster has like no real motive except to harm you or whatever else is around him. And maybe it's like more more animal like. Yeah, exactly. Where it's like that is their na- that is their nature. Right. Whereas a villain is more something that someone or something that has like a plan. It has like some like you said some creeping like schema that it's trying to implement, and you um, you have to like even if you defeat it, it doesn't matter because it'll be back later with more parts of its plan. You know. Right. Yeah. Well, I think that then I was also going to ask a similar question in that, like, can nature be a villain? Because, like, you know, we have these disaster movies and then we also have, like, for instance, the Dragon Rider series, which the villain is like something that uh, like uh, plant spores that come from another planet. I think I think no, I think those are monsters or like. Just well, monsters, I think. Yeah. I think it depends, though, because um, if you Acts look at, God. like, mythology, like, when nature was represented by a deity. Okay. So, like, the, we but talk the about, like, the ocean. Right. So, like, but, like, Poseidon, itself. but Poseidon is synonymous with the ocean. So, like, when he's like, fuck you, Odysseus, and yeah. he, like, you know, <laughs> fu- you know, screws them up, it's like. Only, only if you're looking at it in the context of the history where, like, the, you know, ancient Greeks believed that Poseidon was mm-hmm. the ocean, and so he like controlled it, but he was it, and you know. So I feel like if you're if you're looking at it from that kind of like historical mentality, then yes. But again, like from today's perspective, I would say no because right, it'd be the 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 person, the deity, yeah. the god, um, manipulating the elements. I think it's a it's an interesting distinction, and I, I agree with you. I think that if if it's like a myth or like a mention of like some some being that's specifically controlling the elements to to mess with you, then yeah, it could be considered a villain. But some sentient being. Yeah, yeah. But if it's just like the rain that happens to be too much, like that's yeah. not a villain necessarily. It might be like your struggle. Oh, yeah. But what I mean, about it's like Moby an act, act of God. Oh, Moby Dick. Well, I, okay, so I haven't ever read it, but I don't know that the whale was, like, being malicious. It was just, like, being a whale. So, unfortunately, listeners, we just lost a, a third of our trio. They had a... Matt Whoa. had a prior engagement. Um, and, but, yeah. Me yeah, and so... We're going to finish. Right, so we're going to wrap up here. But I mentioned Moby Dick because yeah. uh, in the book, I also watched, like... So I read the book when I was probably, like, too young, and so it's, like, I could read the words, but I wasn't really understanding, like, what was going on, and so I hate whales now. Okay, um, gotcha. Because of it. But, That's valid, um, I guess. You know? Um, but, yeah, like, Moby Dick was, like, really terrifying. I actually also just watched the, uh, In the Heart of the Sea. Oh, which yeah. Which is based off of the actual experience that inspired yeah. uh, Herman Melville to write it, um, which was that there was a ship that was um it, like their ship sank because it was like rammed by this white whale and at least the way it was represented in the movie too that um the whale like hunted them down and like attacked them while they were in their lifeboats at certain points oh interesting yeah it was like really like scary and was so that, so, so seem to know so again talking about like animals not really being, um, really being like villains, but like at least the way that sometimes I think they're represented in films or stories can yeah. make them seem villainous. So like in reality, we know that like the whale probably does not have a menacing agenda other than to protect its territory, maybe, or you know, protect its like pod, you know. Yeah. yeah. So that's survival, right? But like in literature and in like the media um i think that's a good distinction to make is that like oh yeah the way you write a story can make a whale seem like a scary hunter right 
Yeah, and I think also uh, the with like I guess malicious intent. <laughs> right. I mean, there's the difference between like a monster and a, like a natural thing. So like. For instance, if you get attacked by a bear while you're out hiking, that's, like, a natural thing, like, because that's a bear and that's what a bear does. But if, for instance, you're out, you know, um, on the ocean, you get attacked by a whale, whales don't typically attack people. And, like, if there's, like, it's clearly going after you, that's right. a monster. And, it, as a, and then it, like, keeps hunting you down and, like, yeah. fucking with you. What was the uh, question? Was the ship a whaling ship? Yes. Okay. So they were, they were, so it was not unwarranted. Right. Yeah. But it um, it was strange because whales don't typically attack people. I think that was a a different, an important distinction between uh, nature and like a monster. Yeah. You know, and like how, you know, like, you know, when you talk about like themes throughout stories, is, you know, man versus nature. So like, yeah. You know, in this story, nature is a villain, but is it really, you know? Yeah, it's not like you're like, been a, damn you, nature. You're just like, oh, right? fuck, there's an avalanche, you know? Like, uh, the avalanche is always out to get me. Uh, gotta survive this avalanche. So, yeah. I'm gonna teach anyway. the avalanche the error of its ways. And That's the right. And then I'm gonna teach it how to read. <laughs> And then it'll understand, right? That's right. Oh, um, yeah, so I think this was, like, a really interesting topic, and we definitely could go on and on. Yeah, yeah. And but, on and um, on with different examples. But I think we found, like, some really key components. Yeah, I think so. And um, I'm gl- I mentioned pretty much everyone I meant to mention. Have you ever read The Daughter of Smoke and Bone by any chance? I have not. It's uh, got a really... T- it's got several villains, but one of them is super terrifying. They're, like... Um, some of the creatures are, like, half animal, half human. Or, like, different animals put together, kind of. Yeah. That's how they, like, exist. They're not, like, Frankenstein creatures. They're, um, like, chimeras. They are chimeras. That is the word that they use. I don't know why <laughs> I didn't just say that. Anyway. <laughs> um... That yeah, so one of the chimeras, the general is he's a white wolf and he dresses all in white and like he just slaughters people so that you can see the blood all over him. Oh Jesus. And he's not, like in the first book and a half he's not really a villain, but you can see he's like a terrible person and yeah. then he turns villainous and you're like, yeah, I knew that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's something to be said too about like like seeing a character, and I think this is part of why. Not uh, sorry to go back to Darth Vader again, but That's I think okay. this is part of why they gave us this backstory for Anakin Skywalker becoming Darth Vader is because there's something to be said about watching someone's circumstances and seeing like how they react to it and being like, "Oh man, you're gonna be a bad guy." Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, <laughs> like yeah. there's no way you're gonna come out of this and not be a bad guy because. Yeah. Of all the, like, crap that's going on (laughs) around you or to you. And, um, you know, and so I think, like, oh, the Punisher, I think, is kind of a good example of, like, because he's a vigilante, he rides that line between good guy and bad guy. Yeah. And, you know, and so, like, the Punisher is, like, a great, he would be a great villain if he ever, like, lost his way and... You know, but th- what holds him, what holds him away from the villain side is the fact that he doesn't want to hurt innocent people. Like, innocent he people. is aware of the consequences of his yeah. actions, and he tries to draw those to the, like, bad people. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah. it's like, when you, you know, it's like, oh, man, like, you got, you got, like, treated really bad like you could be a you could turn into a bad guy you know like, and no one and nobody, would blame you exactly yeah nobody would blame you um that's funny yeah so I, but like I, I, I just don't think they did a good job i think that's what they were trying to do with anakin's backstory and i just don't think it was no. executed well no it wasn't. and so there's a double-edged sword for anybody like thinking about giving backstory to like iconic villains you know just be careful because if you do it really bad they're not going to be scary anymore yeah 
Yeah, I think um, we should also have another talk about um, what's it called? Anti-heroes. Mm, yeah. And like heroes and anti-heroes. We can have another one about that. Yeah, um, this was kind of a more like freeform thought as opposed to our usual like structured, but I yeah. think this is a really awesome yeah, way to kind of it's kind of like the way we did our magical systems um, episode, which we will re-record and um, get that out eventually because the recording was terrible. Yeah. Listeners, thank you for listening, and we will talk to you later. Bye. Bye.